0: We're in a series that we've called Climate Change. Not the kind that is on the news, but the authority, the ability that God gives us to go into situations, go into lives, and even to go into cities and to change the climate, alter the landscape, take and turn around the direction of events. There are many places that I could take you in the Bible to give you some sort of example of climate change, but as we mentioned, our first. Uh, first week, that my favorite is found in Acts chapter 8. Philip, just an ordinary man, goes under the direction of the Holy Spirit into a city in Samaria that is dark, it's depressing, it's full of fear, full of a fear, uh, a climate that's, that's not too pleasing at all. And he preaches and he demonstrates the power of God in that place and lives are changed one by one and healing and deliverance comes and it, and, and, and it says that after the spiritual cleanup in that city, after the Climate had shifted that city wasn 't known as a dark, fearful place, but it was a city known for its great joy climate change. you see here on the platform, I have a, a prop that we 're using throughout this series it 's not it 's not meant to be a beautiful prop but it 's meant to to indicate to show to illustrate our point it's a rectangular box covered in heavy plastic and and it's here because it represents a concept that i want you to understand you see you personally have an enemy who is bound bent and determined to keep you from reaching your full potential as a believer and a follower of jesus christ he's a dirty fighter A very dirty fighter. He has no sense of fair play. He will hit you when you're most vulnerable. And once that he feels that he has you against the rope, he will hit you again and again, over and over and over again until you feel like you're going to die. Until you feel like all that's left for you to do is to give up. And this box represents a trap. If he can lure you into it, if he can get you to come into the box through his, through his deceit or through discouragement, he feels like he can isolate you from God and from hope and from those who can strengthen you in your faith. If your enemy can keep you in the trap, he can severely minimize your effectiveness, your impact, and he can hold you in defeat and indecision, and his goal is to hold you there until you die. The goal is to remove you from the climate of hope, a climate of growth, and put you into a climate of despair and defeat and hopelessness. Many people that are sitting in this room right now, right now, have an intimate knowledge of what I'm saying because you've either been there or right now it feels like you're living in the box. I can't tell you how many how many emails, how many calls I've gotten said, Pastor, I can't wait for you. To, I feel like I'm in the box and I want to get out. But there is hope. We have the ability, we have the authority to take and to start puncturing the walls. Start tearing down the dividing lines. The goal here is to bring hope and faith back into your life. There is hope. We have this ability. We have this authority. In this series, prisoners are going to get free. I promise that. In this series, prisoners are going to get free. The good news is there's a way out of the trap. Again, proof from Scripture. There's a song that David writes, and we talked about it in our first gathering together, Psalm 124, in the book of Psalms. And one of the verses declares that the trap has been broken and his life is free. And listen to the words as the poet sings this hymn of praise. We have become free like a bird out of a trap. The net is broken, and now we are free. Our help comes in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The songwriter compares his spiritual experience to that of a trapped bird. Somehow, some way, we had been snared by this enemy and he has been waiting, awaiting his captor to come and to determine his fate. However, the great liberator of heaven comes and he breaks the net and he sets the, the, the bird free, he sets this man free before his captor could do any damage. That's climate change there were hostages, they were being held in prison, but a battle took place and the liberator came and the net was broken and the hostages escaped and now there is a song being sung and instead of a lament being written, the song goes, God has the ability, God has restored my hope, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free at last. If you're in the box, If you're in a prison this morning, don't worry. Hope is on its way. It's here. Listen to the message. Hold on to what we say. Your captivity is soon to be over. If you've loved ones in the box, you have been given the authority to speak and break the net, the isolating walls, and bring liberty to every captive. You have that ability. You have that authority. Two weeks ago, we talked about the trap, and we declared that it would be broken. Last week, we had five people stand on this platform and told in powerful ways their story and told you how they had been trapped, but they don't live in the box anymore. And in that service, hope was released. If God can do it for them, then God can do it for me. Today, we're going to talk about what we can do to cause cracks in the wall, how we can cut nets so that captives can be set free. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's an important scripture, one that I'd like you to underline so that you can find it when you need it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Paul talks about spiritual battles that take place in human situations, battles that take place in spiritual realities. People held in prison have to be fought for, have to have liberators who come and battle their captors in order to get them out of the prisons that they're in. Paul says that in this battle, we can't use the regular weapons of warfare that comes with human battles because the war is a spiritual one, so, so guns and tanks don't do the job. He says that we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down some things. To knock down human reasoning and false arguments. These, this human reasoning and these false arguments keep, keep men locked up, keep people locked up. And, and that these spiritual weapons of mass destruction, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. That's a set of verses that I want you to have underlined, just so that you can find it, like I said before. The target of the assault with these weapons that God gives us is clearly spelled out. Human reasoning, false arguments, human logic, and lies. Those two responses take us out from under the care, from under the keeping of a loving father, and make us believe that we can do better than he does if we do it on our own you say well bill who who would think like that? Well, beside yourself, all of us think that way. We go, we go back to Adam and Eve and they 're told that they have access to everything in the garden except for one tree and And they're supposed to stay away from that tree, but human logic and lies convinced them that God was just trying to keep them away from being brilliant and from having a good time. Abraham and Sarah had been promised that they would be parents. But the fact said that they were old and past the age where Sarah could conceive and so human logic entered into the picture and lies were told about what God could and couldn't do and Sarah conjures up a plan to help God out. She would have her, her maid sleep with her husband and conceive a child that would become her own. And, and in answer to God's promise, she would have helped God get to the promise that he had made. Well, you know that didn't turn out very well and the battle began in her day and it rages right through to our day. The human logic and lies continue today. We don't see an answer in front of us right this instant and so we think that we have to create an answer in our own right and in our own ability. We are pushed and we are cajoled into believing that somehow, someway God helps them that helps themselves. that we'd better do what we know how to do. And so we jump in and we start working our human logic and are surprised to find ourselves sometime later in a deeper, darker mess. Or worse yet, we have the father of lies come and tell us things that aren't true. We have him come and whisper in our ear, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. If he did, do you think this, where you are right now, would be the result? or you're undeserving of God's love, what you've done, the mistakes that you've made, the sin that you've participated in and then hidden. You're disqualified from God's grace and from His mercy and you might as well give up because you're not entitled to the benefits that were promised in the Word of God. Those are lies. Those are products of human reasoning and they're called strongholds. They are fortresses. They are Thick walls that have doors that are locked and keep us imprisoned in hopelessness. So here's the definition of a stronghold. A stronghold is any thought or any behavior that stands like a fortress against the knowledge and the understanding of who God is and what God can do. Let me repeat that for you. A stronghold is any thought or any behavior that stands like a fortress against the knowledge and understanding of who God is or what God can do. Those thoughts can either belittle the ability of God or overemphasize our sin, our ability, our wisdom, or the desperate nature of our situation. I fight them personally. All the time. I wake up and there's a, a, a track going on in my head. What, what on earth are you doing? What makes you think that you can do that? And for a minute it can be kind of confusing. So I have to go to the Word and I have to start saying, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Nothing is impossible with God. And I just have to start repeating that until the soundtrack is silenced. I fight them personally, but I also run into them in my work and in my encounters with people constantly. Let me give you one-liners that I've dealt with this week since we last met. These are one-liners that I've come across. I've asked somebody, what's your status with God right now? And the response was, I'm not a person that God can love. I'm way too bad. Or this from another person. I wake up at night and know that today is the day I'm going to die or that I should kill myself. I pray and pray and pray and there's no answer. God doesn't love me. God doesn't listen to me. Or this one. I tried God and it didn't work, and the only place that I find comfort and freedom from pain is in the bottle that I've got in my hand. Not one of those statements is true, but the people that uttered them believe that they are true, and they're so locked up in a stronghold, so locked up in a fortress that they don't know how to get out. They have no hope of getting out. They're held captives in a prison of doubt and unbelief. They're repeating lies over and over and over again. And it seems that every time they do, the walls get thicker and the hope gets thinner and the air gets so much more difficult to breathe. Romans chapter 3 verse 4 says this, God will always be proven faithful and true to his word while people are proven to be liars. The reason I bring that up is because whatever God says is always true, always. And anything that contradicts it is a lie. God is always true and anything that contradicts him is a lie. Strongholds must be removed and destroyed in order to allow God to change the climate. I want to remind you, just because you say something out loud, just because you believe it, doesn't mean that it's true. Just because you say, God doesn't care, or God isn't listening to me, that doesn't make it true. God is always proven to be faithful and true. God always responds to faith. Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Lies and human reasoning block our faith response. The person who doesn't believe, doesn't hold on to the promise of God's complete unconditional love, isn't able to see, isn't able to recognize the love of God when it comes. This line in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is so vital. It says this, our warfare is to capture, to subdue all rebellious thoughts and train And teach ourselves to live, to think, to operate in obedience to Christ. That's a vital thing. If you want to get out of this prison, that's a big key. What we do is fight lies to the ground and we bring rebellious thoughts to yield themselves to the truth. We train, we teach obedience to Christ in our lives always, in every situation. Obedience to Christ. When your brain wants to go on a rant, wants to go on and on talking about what you don't have or what you wish you could do, truth comes and says, we're not going there today. We're going to stick with the truth. Well, I don't have this and my life really isn't very fun. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God supplies every need that I have according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We're going to declare that God is true and everyone else, every circumstance, every piece of evidence is lying. We're going to stick to what the Word says and believe that God is going to do something that goes beyond what I thought He could do or would do. I gave you a verse of Scripture at the beginning of this season in September and I instructed you to underline it and to memorize it and to start speaking it to yourself all over and over and over again because it's a key. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. He will exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. I need you to be memorizing that. I need you to be thinking on that. I need that to be in front of you all of the time. No matter what human reasoning tells you, no matter how your enemy lies to you, here is the truth. You never have to doubt God's mighty power. You never have to work it out on your own. He's at work in you to accomplish all of that. He will achieve infinitely more than you ever thought. Your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, He will exceed your wildest imagination. It's true. Everything less than that is a stronghold. It's a fortress. It's a net that keeps you captive. It's a place that keeps you waiting for your enemy to make a decision as to who you are and what you will be. The best way that I could teach you about breaking strongholds is to tell you a story out of the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. I want to tell you the story of Jericho. God had promised Israel that he would take them out of their slavery in Egypt and that he would give them their own land. He would give them homes that they did not build and wells that they did not have to dig and farms and orchards that they did not have to plant themselves. And he would take them to the land that was so rich, so prosperous, and he would give them everything and more that they needed and dreamed of. First generation did not believe when they came out of Egypt. They, they just did not trust that God could do that. And so they were set free from slavery, but they didn't experience the fulfillment of that promise. So Joshua is the new leader, and he has this new generation, and they're, they're about to go into the land that God has promised, and there's a problem. Beyond this first obstacle, beyond this first city, is all that God had said that there would be. The problem is, is that this city is at the gateway to the land that's been promised to them, and the city walls are thick, and they're impenetrable. And Israel doesn't have a gun, doesn't have a cannon, doesn't even have a bazooka amongst them. And how is this going to work? How are we going to get past this super well-equipped city to take possession of the land that God has promised us? I want you to follow the illustration. It's a road map. It's, a, it's an instruction on how to break out of the net. It's a, it, it, it's a way to understand how prisons and strongholds can be broken open. So we started in chapter 6 of Joshua, the first verse. Now, the gates of, jo- of, of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in, no one was allowed to go out. That's such a vital piece of information. Jericho, by every measurement, had the advantage. They were experienced in battle. They had city walls that, I'm told, measured 12 to 16 feet in width. Absolutely unbreakable, unpenetrable. They had gates that were secure, that were locked up, and were keeping everybody inside in, and everybody outside out. But it doesn't if, if, if you just see the walls, you don't, you don't understand the climate on the other side of the walls. It, it wasn't what you would expect to find. It, it was a chaotic mess on the inside of the city. People were afraid and they were panicked. No one was allowed to go in or out. And the reason is this. The citizens of Jericho were afraid of the Israelites. Why? They had nothing. They, they, didn't have, they, they didn't own a ladder between them, so they couldn't scale the walls. They, they, they were a nomadic people, and they had nothing in their hands to wage war. Yet the citizens were prisoner in their own city because they were afraid of Israel. Like you, the Israelites had one thing and one thing alone going for them. And that one thing was this, God was on their side. If God before us, who would be silly enough to stand up against us? If you're a child of God, if you've asked Jesus into your life, there's a reputation on you that causes demons to tremble. They, they would have you believe otherwise. However, we capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. There's only one name given to men by which we can be saved and the name is Jesus and that name has all power, all the power in heaven, all the power on earth invested in it and no other name matches it and you wear that name. You wear that name. And all the power that's associated with it. And all the value that's tied in with it. You wear that name. No matter what you're told, when you walk in the authority of the name of Jesus, your enemies, wherever they are found, are afraid of your arrival. They are afraid of what collateral damage you can cause. I like going into places where I'm not welcome. And there's quite a few of them, actually but I like going in because I don't go in alone. And I can cause chaos. Catherine, one of her first jobs was in a, in, in a shoe store in uh, Cross Iron Mall. And I would go there because just in front of it and to the side, there was a palm reader. And I'd just go, and I'd stand against the wall, and I'd start praying in tongues. And that lady would get irritated, and she'd give me dirty looks. I'm so proud to announce that with God's help, when Catherine finished the job, the lady had long since blown the building. She wasn't there anymore. I love to cause trouble because I carry the authority of his name. I carry the authority of his name. Verse 2, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. I have given you its king. I have given you all of its strong warriors. So Joshua is standing some distance away from the city, and he's just looking, and he's, he's sort of measuring it. It says in the Bible that no one goes out and builds a house unless they've counted the cost because it would be a... a, a, a Sort of a monument to stupidity if you got three walls up and couldn't get anything more. And so you count the cost. You don't go to war until you've stood back and you've counted the cost. Can we win this thing? And so he's standing there and he's looking and he's measuring what's in front of him. He's measuring the height and the strength of the walls. He's looking at the king of that city and his strong, trained, mighty warriors. And then he's looking at his people. Not a jackknife between them. Not a slingshot or even a good butcher's knife in all the camp. And the question has to cross Joshua's mind. How is this going to work? My human reasoning says there's no hope here. My fears are starting to tell lies, starting to say that I was a fool to drag this generation to a battle that we can't hope to win. That, that sickening feeling in the pit of your stomach that starts to bubble and boil when you see a problem and you have no answer. And while that's going on, God speaks And I want to remind you of the promise in Hebrews chapter 13 that says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he spoke to Joshua way back when, he will speak to you. He doesn't change. He wants to speak to you. If he talked to Joshua, then he can talk to you. That's the truth. And the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. The king is yours. The warriors are yours. Do not worry. I have you covered. I remind you, sons and daughters of the Most High, if you have been given promises, they are yea and amen. They are yes and coming your way if you believe. If you believe. Do you know the promises? Have you underlined them? Have you declared them each day as you get up? I spent the morning today declaring that I've been given authority as a leader of this house to crack some walls this morning and to let some prisoners know that just because you're in prison right now, that doesn't mean that prisoner defines you or where you're going for the rest of your days. Get ready because some cracks are coming to the walls. Get ready. You've been given a promise. Grab it. Declare it put a demand on it believe it watch it come to pass you know i'm a little worried about you this morning this is good preaching if you know if i were there's this nice church in montreal that's that's just down below the old forum and if i preached this here they'd be standing on the seats waving handkerchiefs and crying it'd be fabulous but you know what I'm hanging on to the promise that says, even if no one else goes with me, God will be enough. Okay? So you just just stay there and we'll see if we can get to you. Verse 3, you were fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each man carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times and the priests will start to blow the horns there's instructions that have been given and they've been made clear. The promise is stated. For every promise that God gives, there's a word of instruction. There's a requirement for the fulfillment of the promise. When the Word says that God will make our paths straight and our ways understandable, that promise comes to pass when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, when we lean not on our own understanding, when in all our ways we acknowledge Him. Then the promise of direction and leadership comes into our life. The city is yours is the promise, a promise given by God, and God does not lie. The instruction is clear, but a wee bit peculiar. Have your fighting men march around the town once a day for six days. Have the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of the presence and power of God. Then on the seventh day, march around the town seven times and make the priests blow horns. I want to ask you, whose army would you go up against with that strategy in your back pocket? With this group here, should we take on Russia and just go walking around? I mean, maybe Fiji we could take, right? Maybe. But it doesn't sound like a good plan. Have your fighting men march around the town once a day for six days. But those are the instructions. That's what the Lord requires. But Lord... Here comes human reasoning and the lies that get us into tr- trouble. God, that, that makes no sense. D- do you see what they have for weapons? Do you understand that they are a force that is feared in this part of our country? Do you understand that they have experience in, in crushing armies? And we're not an army. We're, we're a group of nomadic refugees. Do you know what you're doing? Paul said, we capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. You want us to march once a day for six days and then seven times on the set we'll march. Repeat after me. We capture rebellious thoughts we teach them to obey Christ. The last time I checked my ID, it said William Maurice Olson. Nowhere did I find the name Jehovah on my personal papers. I am his son. He is my God. My job is to capture rebellious thoughts that I have and teach them to obey God. That's my, that's my job. In, in the prison you are in right now, reach for the word and discover what it is that God has asked you to do. It may be simple, as simple as to speak to the mountain. It might be as complex as as telling you to break the lie and capture the rebellious thoughts so that you can trust the Lord with all your heart. Reach for the word of instruction that fits your situation. Go to God and don't leave until He tells you what to do. I I have this problem in my house. What has God told you to do? Go and find out. If you're standing outside the walls wanting to break in, go to God. Don't, go to, don't do anything until He tells you what to do and then obey the very clear instruction that He gives. Obey it to the letter. The problem is not that God doesn't speak. The problem is is that human reasoning and lies have this huge influence on our life and they keep us busy and they have their source in the enemy and he keeps us from seeking the Lord with all of our heart, committing ourselves to his word. So we're stuck in a land of confusion and chaos. Joshua had a clear word of instruction and the decision was his. his. His is the leader. Does he obey or does he languish another period of time in the wilderness of doubt and unbelief? Our job is to capture rebellious thoughts, teach them to obey Christ. Verse 5. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the, children, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Shoot. Shoot. We didn't think Pentecost started till Acts chapter 2, but hear these screaming charismatics out in the desert. Have them shout as loud as they can, and then the walls will of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Complete obedience brings the change that's needed. When you've done what has been required when the priests make the sound of war at the horns and when the people release the shout of battle this is my promise to you Joshua after six days of silent marching around the walls after seven times on the seventh day you will not see the cracks that I've caused during the week but on the seventh day you're going to see the walls come down but I've not asked you to walk by what you see I've asked you to walk by faith so The six days that you're going around this fortress, you're not going to see what's going on. Do it anyway. Just be obedient. Just trust God. Do it anyway. Faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him. That's what faith is. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm not going with my human reasoning. I'm not listening to lies. I just have found out what He wants me to do. Forsaking everything else, I follow Him. I trust him. When you've done what I've asked, you will stand around the walls and the horn will sound for battle and the people will shout as loud as they can and the walls will collapse and the people will charge straight into town. To the human mind, this is the most illogical strategy ever conceived. To the anxious, the worry-infected hearts and minds, this sounds like a recipe for absolute disaster. But we've not been asked to be anxious and worry-infected. Our instruction is Colossians 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God that comes from Christ rule over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Joshua, it doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you experience in the next six days. Let me tell you, when the time is right, on the seventh day, when you and your people have obeyed what I've asked you to do, Walls will collapse. Your people will charge right into the city and the victory will be yours. Let me take those principles from those verses and let me give you some instruction as to how to either get out of the prison that you're in or how to break walls for people who are in prison The first one is this. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Every day. My suggestion is to start in the Gospels if you're you're not anywhere right now. Get in the Gospels and just keep reading until God grabs your attention and says, read that again. It has the right now Word for you. Read it until it comes alive. Read and read. Underline, speak it out loud. If you've had a Word from God and you've left it behind in the dust and gone after human reasoning and lies, go back to the Word, dust it off, and start practicing it, start reading it, start declaring it right now. Psalm 119 verse uh, has two things to say. First, I have hidden your Word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. If, if I know what you want me to do, I can do it, and then I'm not guilty of sin. Get in the Word. And secondly, your word is a light onto my feet and a lamp onto my path. I know where to go because I've, you've made it clear to me in your word. Get in the word. If you're lost, if you're weak, if you're discouraged, if you're the victim of, of lies and human reasoning, get in the word. It will look after all of that. Number two, deal with sin. Here's the promise, 1 John 1 and 9. But if we freely admit our sins when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is part of the wall of the prison, part of the stronghold. Repentance, the ability to say, I'm going the wrong way and so I repent. I, where you're reminded day after day, start start speaking them out loud and clear every day. Start saying them over and over and over again. Post it where you can see it. Say it so many times that it sinks from your head into your heart and then takes residence in your spirit and it pushes out all the fear, all of the confusion Stand on the promise. Look for the fulfillment of the promise. Repeat it over and over again until it goes right into your spirit. If you don't know what I mean when I say into your spirit, then you don't have it there. Say it until it's in. You haven't captured every rebellious thought and disciplined every lie to be obedient to the word. Sixth, I think this is six. Be bold in obedience. Oh, shoot. Human reasoning says that parading around the walls of the strongest fortress of your neighborhood for six days is ridiculous. Rebellious thoughts are consumed by by what other people will say, what other people will think when they see you strutting around your enemy's walls seven times on the seventh day. Lies will tell you that it's ridiculous to blow trumpets and shout loudly at tall walls in the expectation that they're going to fall. But you have a promise. And the promise can only be fulfilled when you are boldly and radically obedient. Your promises will remain unfulfilled until you are bold in your obedience. Does that make sense to you? Every time, you, your obedience, you're, every time you're obedient, you're, you're starting to put holes in the wall. There's starting to be cracks in the foundation. The thing is about to come down. Those people who were baptized today, there's going to be breakthrough for them because they were obedient. They did what God asked, repent and be baptized. They were, and now God's going to open up doors for them. Your promise will remain unfulfilled until you're bold in obedience. You can shoot the messenger, you can be mad at the message, but here's the truth, if we don't obey, the promise doesn't come to pass. That's why they pay me the big bucks to tell you things you don't want to hear. Leave for cracks in the strongholds. Alina, can you come to the keyboards? Don't concentrate on what you see. Don't always believe what you hear people say. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Go by faith, not by what you see. Believe that God is at work and that things are changing. Believe that even though you can't see the cracks, there are cracks in the fortress and this prison is about to experience a breakthrough. If you get nothing else from this message today, listen to this. We capture every rebellious thought, every lie, and we teach them to obey Christ. Several years ago, well it's not several, it's a few years ago, Debbie and I went to a meeting and the man that was speaking came down and he said to us, you've been where you are for a lot of years the area that you're in is a difficult area, it's got some pretty rocky ground, but you've been doing the right thing you've just been hitting the ground over and over and over again as you do that, one day it's going to break. One day it's going to open. One day all the things that you dreamed, all the things you envisioned will come to pass. You're just marching around. You're putting holes in the wall. Through your obedience, through the word, through, through your declaration, I want you to stand with me people this morning that are in, in difficult situations. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. You feel like you're buried alive. You feel like you're living in a prison. You feel like there's separation between you and God and between other people. I want you to know we're going for breakthrough. We're going for breakthrough in your life. We're going to tear the walls down. We're going to believe that you're going to walk free in the full purpose of who you are. Will you bow your heads this morning?